This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. This is the Coast and Country podcast from the BBC. You can find the terms and conditions on our website at bbc.co.uk forward slash radio 4. Today you can hear Open Country with Helen Mark. I'm just walking through a large housing estate close to Porter's Head. This is known as Portbury Wharf. Um, There are about 2,500 new houses that have been built here. And as you walk through them, you come out onto, quite unexpectedly, a great open space, a nature reserve. Now, these two places are very closely connected because if you want to be a householder in this particular estate, you have to make a financial contribution to the maintenance of Portbury Wharf Nature Reserve. So for this week's Open Country, I've come to find out how the system works, who's involved in it, and what the householders are getting for their annual levy. There was um, a chap turned up in one of the bird hides and he walked in and he instantly said to us, so, what have you seen today? And I'm sitting there thinking, well, I don't really know. (laughs) (laughs) But it was just nice watching them. (laughs) Exactly, I'm learning... (laughs) And that's actually quite good because you have experts who come along, people who are really interested, who we're going to get to sit side by side with. And they're going to say, oh, yes, that's a shell duck and this is this and this is that, which is wonderful because that's what I want. So I'm with Helen Mason. So you're a local resident. You obviously paid your levy. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you're smiling as you say that, so obviously quite happy about it. I'm perfectly happy. I mean, if you think of £5 a month to have a nature reserve that's managed on your doorstep, I mean... You can't really complain, can you? What's it added to your life? I just think it's amazing. I mean, I come here a lot. I think the feeling of being out in an environment like this, even if it's only for five minutes, ten minutes as you're passing through, it's just so exhilarating. I'd never actually seen a wild owl before. And I came out here one night quite late. It was dusk. And I just saw this owl flying along the ream, stopping on all the posts. It's just lovely. So you feel you're getting great value for your money? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Because not everybody would want to pay. Do you know, there's there's dissent, isn't there? There is, but we were aware of it before we bought the house. It's not something that you were surprised with at a later date. I mean, most of the people I've met are reasonably happy. They might not use it very much, but again, a lot of them who live here have got children. And the school is going to be closely involved with the reserve and the children will be coming out here, they will be foraging, they'll be learning about the creature, which is, you know, that's great. Even if the parents don't come out and enjoy the reserve, the children will still benefit. I mean, the difference between cycling or walking down the city street where you've got just the noise of traffic and the smells of traffic around you it's quite phenomenal, really. I mean, I know that you've got a big housing estate, but, I mean, this is... Yeah, a... there's a good view of it there, actually. We've come up yeah. onto one of the embankments, and you can look down across the ponds, and the houses which are finished and occupied, but the continuing development that's going on on the far side of the pylons and the wires that string across the top mm. of this part of the reserve. But it gives you a good sense, doesn't it, of the urban and the countryside mm-hmm. cheek by jowl. Mm-hmm. Some people may not realise this, but the waterway that you see here, the reams, are actually 
integral to the housing because they actually take all the water runoff from the roofs and the roads. It's known as sustainable drainage systems. And the reeds filter out the impurities and cleanse the water as it goes along its course. A lot of new housing use this system but often have to put in very deep ponds because they don't have the space for the water to extend. So this is a lovely safe course and um, it's all part of the whole development really. It's not just here for the wildlife, it's also part of the, the housing. Mm-hmm. This is Bernie Darcy, who's the warden here. Bernie? Bernie? Hello, hello, nice to meet you. Tools in hand and ready for the job. How are you? Hi. Hi. This is Helen Mark. How are you? Another Helen. Yeah, another Helen. Three Helen. Another Helen. Right. We have a bit of a walk to do to get to the reed bed that we're going to do some work on. But I'm just looking at your volunteers in front of you. They're quite damp already. They've got the rucksacks on their back and they're carrying the most frightening array of tools, particularly Helen Mason, who looks like, you know, old father death. You know, with that great scythe over her shoulder. Yeah, they're very hardcore. They come out in all sorts of weather and there's never any... Everyone's always keen to come out and help, regardless of whether it's snowing or raining. So, yeah, I'm very lucky to have such a nice bunch of people to work with. So this band of volunteers have all come down to the edge of this beautiful open pool. Beyond that, there's open landscape where there are lots of gulls rising from the ground. But straight away, one of your volunteers, this is Paul Thurston, has got straight in there with his scythe. What are you trying to encourage in terms of wildlife? Or is it just helping what is already here? What what inhabits this landscape? It's doing both, really. It's both helping what's already here and encouraging more wildlife to move in and improving the habitat. So here, for instance, we're improving the habitat for your reed warblers or reed buntings. And there's lots of invertebrates as well that won't do very well in really dense, thick stands of reeds because it will restrict their access to water if it gets really thick so as with all habitats in woodlands or grasslands you need to have structural diversity you need to create lots of different micro habitats within the habitats that you can have a diverse range of species and greater biodiversity. Now you see here we are in this wonderfully sort of rural setting of water and rushes and grassland and the birds but you see there's always that thump and groan and grind of industry just over to our left and to our right you can see possibly that's maybe a tall chimney of somewhere great cranes not the bird type mechanical ones (laughs) i think the actual physical geography of the reserve highlights the importance of it because we are we're sandwiched in between the new development and the power station and on the opposite side we've got the sewage works and royal porpery docks some people might think it's strange surroundings when you come to a nature reserve but to me it just hammers home the fact of how important this reserve is And if you look straight out ahead, we've got the Severn Estuary as well. And being so significant for birds, we're just providing more kind of shelter further inland for them to come to, especially when we have harsh winters like we've just had. There's more fresh water for them to come into. And another major project we've done recently is the nesting island just in the pool here. Yes, I can see that just beyond. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because when we came, when we took over the reserve at first, it was a big mountainous island. It was a giant eight-foot dome-shaped 
nesting island which was really unsuitable habitat for the birds because you can imagine they want a panoramic view of what's around them they don't want things to be able to creep up steep slopes and catch them unaware so we had 85 lapwings on there last Thursday we've had the odd lapwing on the reserve but we've never had them perch in large numbers on the nesting island so they probably won't stay to breed but if we can provide them with some shelter over the winter that would be brilliant and we're also really excited about what waders are going to breed on there over the spring so it's exciting times. What a great place to be a warden at. It is. You know it's starting it's beginning you're you're here being involved in that. Yeah. You know and I mean obviously you've had experience in other reserves but I think this maybe as something completely different. It's a really unique opportunity I, I do see it as a real privilege to help kind of initial steps of creating the nature reserve and to get people in to build the hides and sorting out the fencing and trying to restore all this habitat it's a fantastic job and yeah i'm very happy to be here the idea that this reserve is funded by the householders with their annual levy that must take a lot of pressure off when it comes to any projects that you want to do you know we often hear about how difficult it is to get funds to do projects on wildlife reserves you've got a regular income of cash yeah you can especially in this economic climate there will be projects that have to be put on the back burner a bit in other places where they're less well funded but yeah we're very lucky that i know that we have x amount to spend on improving the habitat every year and i can do some long-term plans for the benefit of the wildlife and we can really get this reserve in top shape which is brilliant So there's a lot of activity going on round about me at the moment. I've come into the Trinity Anglican Methodist Primary School and this is where I've come to meet Neil Hutton. You're the community officer and you're going to do some work with the class here. They're regular faces for you. You've done all sorts of work together before to do with the reserve. And Yes, these children have been out because the school, it's a brand new school built a couple of years ago as a result of the development and all the new young people who are moving in to live around here. The children from Trinity can walk out of the school gates and be on the reserve in five minutes. So the class teacher is Miss Bond. That's correct. uh, Rachel Bond, and she's just gathering them together in front of the whiteboard. They're very enthusiastic. They may call me Master Hutton because um, I played a character back in the autumn when Miss Bond had an idea that they were studying the Tudors last term. What we wanted to do was look at how Tudors would forage for food. We talked about medicine as well, things like aspirin. this is all within the reserve? You did it all there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got 117 acres and... um, wonderful hedgerows laden with fruit in September so it's all well uh, do I have to call you Master Hutton or is it Neil oh, all right yeah. <laughs> uh, call me Neil please right, right well I'll, I'll stand back and watch see what you do that's right there was butter beer which they wrapped their butter in that's very good yes yeah we're also talking about grass snakes and slow worms and newts I have slow worms and newts in my garden and they're actually protected animals um so it's just, this is lovely. So it's just this idea, you see, what a gift it is to have a school on the side of the nature reserve. It is, it's a great resource to have. And, and I mean, he teaches the children things that we can't teach because he's an expert, which is just brilliant. And it's the levy that's paying for that. Yes. Yeah, that's the bottom line. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. And the development that they're doing, it's all looking to the future. It's all looking to ways of benefiting the whole environment, which is priceless, really. I've come back out onto the Portbury Wharf Nature Reserve. It's absolutely teeming with rain. So Neil Hutton and I have come into this, um, well, they're very ramshackle buildings, some beautiful stonework here, old stone. 
And look at the lovely ridge tiles on the top of this one here, well, the few that are left. And you can see the great beams. Look at yeah. that, you know. It is beautiful. Hopefully one day these will be a wonderful visitor interpretation centre. My hope is even stronger than hopefully because how we're doing it is as the levy monies come in, we're saving up to develop this into what will be a wonderful education and community centre perhaps five or so years into the future if things go as planned. So tell me about this. How much is the levy? It's currently uh, £72. Per household? Yes. And where does that money go? The bigger lump of it, around £45 or so, comes to Avon Wildlife Trust to support the management of the nature reserve, the creating of all of the new habitats and the work that you're doing to support both Bernie's post as the reserve warden and my post as a part-time community officer. Some of the monies go to maintain the seawall. So there are sea defences, which is obviously very, very important to that housing development. And then there's just a small amount that goes as sort of management costs to Port Marine Management Limited and Remus for administration. But to go back a step, the housing estate was developed on a brownfield site... But the proviso was that, well, the council set a proviso on, of approval that they created a nature reserve, but then the developers asked the householders to give an annual levy. Yes, oh, I'm not sure in terms of whose idea it was. I think it was actually part of the planner's idea, in fact, that the Section 106 agreement, which is the fancy name for planning gain, it's called, whereby, yes, you can develop on land, but you have to give something back to the community. There are examples around the country of other nature reserves that have been created using that planning mechanism. Usually it's a kind of village hall, community centre, some of those sorts of things. So we're not unique in terms of the idea of actually creating the nature reserve as a place for people to use. The unique bit is, in fact, asking the people to contribute annually towards its upkeep. That, actually, we have found is quite a common thing to, uh, in America. Has everybody agreed wholeheartedly to paying this levy, or have there been complaints? We started last June in our roles, and we expected, having sort of done a little bit of research before starting here, that we would have a lot of upset and dissent about paying the levy. What we've actually found is the majority of people are very positive and like what we're now doing, especially they can now see us doing stuff, and we can tell them the amazing wildlife that we're getting on the reserve and how that's going to improve into the future. However, there are one or two who aren't very keen on having a nature reserve on the doorstep, who resent having to pay. We are actually just a phase because bills have just gone out in fact sadly they went out just before Christmas in some cases Um, we are just about to sit down there is a village call to action group a community group who got together initially I have to say to campaign against the setting of the levy They've since been quite happy with what we've been doing and have kind of settled down, but now the bills have just gone out. There are one or two people who are upset and we are just about to sit down and talk with them and try and make them happy. There are a lot of people all across the country who have nature reserves on their doorsteps, but they don't have to pay for them. Things were set up then, perhaps in in, in better times. We have to be very, very careful. You talked about brownfield development. Some of that brownfield was, as you've heard this morning from some of the children, great crested newts were living on on that land, which is a, a species that has been in terrible decline. So when we look at building new houses, we can't just obviously give carte blanche to build anywhere. And so a way that we can maybe think about allowing development to happen is by creating space for nature alongside it. You're creating space for nature and it is a protected site, but you're actively encouraging people to come onto the nature reserve. Now, does the time come where you have to restrict people? Obviously, managing any natural resource, you do have to be very careful. I need to work the balancing act of encouraging people to come, encouraging people to enjoy the place, 
but obviously not in, in such great numbers that it's going to be detrimental to the wildlife. So, for instance, just on looking on our access routes around the site, we want people to come, but we don't want people to be walking across areas where ground-nesting birds are going to be. We want dogs here, but we want them on leads. And so, you know, we, we need to be careful just on how the site is used and as well as how many people come. Do you know what's quite interesting, Neil, is that when people talk about country stewardship, they're talking about very often well, farmers who are the stewards of the countryside. But here we have an example of where householders in an urban setting actually have the responsibility, the stewardship of over 100 acres of land in Somerset. It's a great way to get those people to learn and appreciate about the wildlife. And, and so I think that the whole thing about having to pay, as soon as you have to pay for something, you appreciate it more. You, you want to get something more out of it. And I would expect that some of the people who might not have come here before are going to think, well, actually, I'm paying for that. I'm going off. I'm going to go and have a look. And you've seen 143 species of birds, you know, the list of things that we've got going on here. And actually, talking of farmers, there is a farmer over there. Come on Should in, Andrew. Come out of the rain for a moment. This is Andrew Harwood. Yes, yeah. He's a, well, a local farming family. Hello, Andrew. Hi. We're, we're being cowardly. Neil, um, I'll let you get about your business. It's been lovely having your company. Thank you very much. OK, my pleasure. Enjoy the rest of the day. We're on to your farmland now, are to we, Andrew? farm, yes. Does it have a name, the farm? Other than the original farm. farm is Haberfield Farm, and this was part of it. It's called the old army camp now. So was it a playground for you, this um, old World yeah, War yeah, site and the land? Sort of grew up here, and uh, as a kid, I played toy soldiers on the land there, where the soldiers actually used to <laughs> <laughs> play soldiers for real. <laughs> I also use toy soldiers in my paintings, sort of glue and melt them into the paintings as well as a sort of memory of, of it if I'm dealing with the landscape down here. That's how big an impact it had on you, isn't it? That now all these years just, later you yeah, just stood in your head. Yeah, you know, the painting's uh, a sort of playful process, so, so there's a sort of harmony there, if you like. Did you just give up on the farming, or you no, know, the, why become the, the an artist? still have, uh, you know, the land there, but very little land now, so there isn't really enough for me to farm. No, so I've been passionate about art and painting and, and mainly the landscape actually sort of a natural journey to paint and walk it and enjoy it yes and labor on it from time to time to help out the family yes yes mm. what we've been looking at is very much about the present as far as this nature reserve is concerned and, and the future about what might be here in years to come but i suppose with you andrew it's a lovely way of seeing into the past of this place what it was the history of this landscape yeah, but when I was a, a kid, there was a German bomber in the mud in the estuary, and I'm just about old enough to remember it, still lying there, and it's, it's long gone now, it's been covered up with mud and time, and it was this gun site here that famously shot it down. <laughs> and there you can see, look, behind these great growths of brambles and briars, we've got these concrete structures. They would be pillboxes, wouldn't they? Well, they, they were storage areas oh, at yes. the side and the big gun would be set on these bearings here yeah and the ring is still there of that and they fired the guns from here yeah, from this very spot originally I, I just about still remember them there would be paintings of German airplanes on the walls going round so they could recognise what they were hopefully trying to hit <laughs> wow <laughs> they were still they've all but gone the, now they're all gone now Time's here. taking its toll. 
Yes. It's important to keep the stories of this landscape's past fresh, isn't mm. it? Mm. And do you do that with your artwork? I think it's important to look at the current landscape and then layer that with the memories and remains of the past landscape and the two work together, hopefully. But, you know, what we're in now, Andrew, is a landscape that has obviously been in a state of constant change. Mm -hmm. You know, the nature reserve, the creation of it, is yet another change. Will, Will you still be able to get inspiration for your artwork? I suppose that's the nature of it, is that you've got to look at the landscape afresh all the time and and go with what's happening and enjoy what's happening. There was like a chaos to the landscape that had gone wild. No-one had been doing anything to it, and now the nature reserve, they're using that wildness for their own uses and going with it and enjoying it, whereas before it just happened by accident. And then the contradictions, of course, with the housings and all the bulldozers you see in the distance as well against all the wildness so it's going to continue to it's it's going to continuously change and and enjoy the change i think which it's a very transient area and landscape i think Hello again. Hi, how's it going? Don't ask me if I'm happy, because I'm absolutely soaked. You're soaked. The reed cutters return. The reed cutters return. Yeah, yeah, we're nice and wet. Absolutely. Did uh, did you get a good part of the job done? Yeah, 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 it's good. It's a productive morning, really, so... Nice view of the island from the Tower Hyde now. So home for a hot shower now, I would have thought, Paul. I I think so, yeah, absolutely. Well yeah, done. Yeah. Okay. There's a very big smile on your face. You're you're very happy. <laughs> happy to be going home. to have a picnic in the rain. So. <laughs> now I'm searching for another artist of a sort, wildlife photographer Peter Evans. There are hides on this um, nature reserve. They're newly built. I'm just going to have a look. Hello, Peter. Yeah. Yes. Hello. Hello. <laughs> oh, I'd be so glad to come into a hide because one, it's a good view, but also turned out nice again. The rain, I know. Absolutely oh. wonderful, isn't it? <gasps> Shocking. You're lucky of a hide to sit in. By Jove, I'm drenched. I would no way would have done this today. It wasn't a hide. <laughs> you would have stayed at home. My partner oh. said to me, "You're crazy." She said, "Going down there." Well, uh, she's right, you know. Look, look, I know. look at me. So, what's that noise? Rain. Stripping. Oh, yeah. Rat a tat we're getting. Absolutely. Man, but anyway, feel at home, doesn't it? Yeah. It's the view that's great, isn't it? I'm going to move my, my bench my slightly. Camera, yeah, my camera. Is that all right? Yeah, that would move off. I can see it. So if you look through there, but don't move it, and you will see the ghost bathing, see how I see them oh, when I look through yeah, there? Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. It's just at the end of my nose, <laughs> that close. And they are furiously flapping the grey feathered wings... They are then raising them up in the air to shake the water off and landing back down in the water again. That is a fantastic movement. And it's just a pure washing action, is it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yeah, like, you know, they're scrub, 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 scrub. So powerful a lens, that. Oh, and then it dips its head in, side the side. Mm. You wouldn't think a bird would do that. Well, they need to keep their feathers in pristine condition, oh. especially with the cold we've had lately. They'd freeze overnight if they don't um, keep their feathers in good condition. And you would have chased birds quite a distance, wouldn't you? Because you would have been what they called a twitcher. Over over the years, in my early years, I was a twitcher. (laughs) And I don't know what it is, but as you get older, I now get more of a kick 
having seeing birds on my local patch. One morning I came into the top of the lane. There were nine bullfinches in a bush, and it was just wonderful. It makes you even, after 40 years, I get a tingle seeing something like that. Wow, just wonderful. there, in that moment in time. Oh, absolutely. And so, so close to where you live and how, you know, and to a place you can get to so easily. When we were here earlier on with Bernie, the warden, I can see actually where they've been hacking at the rushes and they've cut them back a bit. But you remember it really as it was, well, you're talking about a dumping site, really. Oh, it was. Yeah, it was a dumping site before. So it's wonderful that this has been saved. Such a wonderful habitat. And every time you come out, you see something different. Nature is so wonderful. And to keep that wonderful passage from the Severn Estuary oh, all the way up through the valley. All the way up, the up the through, down through into the Somerset mm-hmm. Level. Do you think there's a lot to learn from what's happened here? For other places around the country? or Well, lots, or of, pi- of, lots of places are being covered in concrete, aren't they? And once they've gone, they've gone. So if you don't get people that get hold of these areas you're definitely not going to keep the number of species that we get in this area. We're going to lose them altogether. It'd be great if we can get the kids involved. That's the good thing with Neil, getting the schools involved down here. You need a next generation to keep it going, don't you? Or the next generation will put bricks and mortar on that.